everything in the best possible way. Our past, our present, and our future. And that's what elicited this response that we're going to read about from these 11 guys. You can follow on your device or on the screen there in back of me as I read Luke 24, verses 50 through 53. It said, when he had led them, that is the 11, out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, it might be good to think about what happened in the disciples' life just prior to Jesus raising from the dead. You see, they were just coming off some of their worst moments. They deserted Jesus at his worst and lowest, most difficult moment of his life. They were afraid for their lives. They had hidden behind locked doors. They were confused about what Jesus had told them and decided maybe they should take matters into their own hands and just go back to what they did before he had called them. They weren't standing at their cubicles, so to speak, polishing their knuckles and swapping tells of their great exploits in their three years with Jesus. You see, before they saw that Jesus had arose from the dead, they were feeling bad. They were feeling ashamed. They were feeling some guilt at the fact that they had not stayed with Jesus through this ordeal. And they were wondering, what's next for us? And they went from this state of doubt and confusion and fear to this amazing state that we read about where they were filled with joy and excitement and they had this unstoppable desire to connect together, to collect together and to celebrate Jesus' resurrection and everything that it meant for their lives and our lives because they realized that Jesus' resurrection changed everything and that because of it, they could and we could smile even at our past, our present and our future. And we wanna take a look at several of the reasons, several of the things they were thinking about that would have been on their minds that day as they connected daily in the temple with his joy. And the first was this. They were joyful because their past was forgiven. Forgiveness. A lot of times we think of it just associated with the cross, but forgiveness required not just Jesus' death on a cross, but that he defeat death itself. And this is what they were celebrating. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Without the resurrection, you and I would still be living with the long arms, what I call the long arms of guilt and shame, pulling at us, attaching themselves to us, holding us, chaining us to our past. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our past, whether it's the hour before you came to church here, the driver you told off as you were driving here, none of you do that, right? Just just me? Okay, I did that a few times yesterday. Just confessions are good, right? But even that petty stuff, right? That petty stuff is taken care of because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Past, all of our past is forgiven. And this is really something to smile about. Now, these 11 disciples, I think they were more acutely aware of it sometimes than we are because their past, even though these recent failures they were aware of were forgiven. You know the drill. We all tend to relive our failures. In fact, did you know that your brain is wired to spend more time on negative things and on positive? 
So it's very natural for us to natural notice, not supernatural, natural for us to replay our failures. And these guys could have been doing that. They could have been thinking about all those stupid arguments they had about who was the greatest. Yeah, like they didn't raise from the dead, right? They could have been, Peter could have been replaying his failure to acknowledge Jesus. They're around the fire with the servant girl as Jesus is being led away arrested. Thomas could have been replaying in his mind how, oh, darn it. I I doubted. I required some physical proof from Jesus in order to believe that he was risen. He could have just been beating himself up about that. And all of them might have been replaying their behavior in the Garden of Gethsemane while Jesus is praying for his life. What are they doing? I don't know if any of you have ever slept on the job, fallen down, didn't realize that somebody needed your support, weren't there for somebody. And then you beat yourself up afterwards that, Man, I wish I would have. I think these guys were reliving all of those final moments of Jesus. And now in the resurrection, they had so much to celebrate because that past was forgiven. And their story reminds us that whether we're talking about an hour ago or the beginning of our life, all is forgiven. The Bible says that. We're talking about a God who removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. A God who has hurled our sins into the depths of the sea. That's really deep. I can't find mine there. One who has washed us whiter than snow, though our our sins colored us like scarlet. This is reality for each one of us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just a few months ago, a couple of people um, that really matter a lot in my life. It's a husband and wife, and, and they're just a delightful couple. They don't live here in the area, so they sent me a note, and they identified publicly with faith in Christ. Been praying for that for a number of years, so it was really exciting. They decided to go public with their faith in Jesus Christ, and they sent me a little note about how they felt that day, and it was just like reading these three verses again. They talked about the joy that they had, and they had this weight lifted off them. They t- called it relief about their past. They were so excited that they were forgiven. And we can be too because of the resurrection. We can have that joy, that relief, that anticipation. But we also, because of the resurrection, have a present that is empowered. We've been given authority and power to live the life that God designed us for. Paul says it this way in Romans 8, verse 11. He says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living in you. I have good news for you folks. That's not a heaven promise. That's a now promise. You know that word mortal there? That's our little clue there, right? That's the body we've got right now. That's this planet's existence. That's this time. That's a now promise. Resurrection life is ours now, not just in heaven. And it's helping us to live out God's design for us. Imagine the joy mixed with relief that these disciples were experiencing. You see, they realized then we are not helpless victims of our urges, our desires, and our selfishness. And you know what? You and I don't have to be either because of the resurrection. We have the power to live life the way God designed us to rather than at the whim 
of that urge I have, that thing that I just feel like I can't stop doing, the circumstances I find myself in, the fears that confront me. And this power is accessible for every single person today. My question is, what situation has you tied up in knots like the disciples were tied up in knots that day before Jesus rose from the dead? And they were so aware of all that they were helpless to change. Where do you feel helpless? I'd like to introduce you to my grandson who's going to be born in June. His name's Jacob. There he is. Okay, you notice which hand is raised up above his head? It's his left. My son is convinced this means that he's getting some company in the lefty camp. Okay, at the 20-week ultrasound, they discovered a small mass behind Jacob's heart. So that ensued a series of tests and additional ultrasounds. And those ultrasounds have shown that that mass continues to grow slowly but that the heart is strong and healthy and it's got all the anatomy that it's supposed to have and it's doing what it's supposed to do. And Jacob is growing. I mean, he's going to be a fat little guy when he comes out. It's awesome. But you know what? There's nothing that makes me feel more helpless than a child, whether they're in utero or whether they're out here, whether they're mine or they're somebody else's, to see them have to face something that's uncertain, that's unknown to see them go through anything, right? And there's nothing that bothers me more than to see my kids go through stuff. I'd prefer that life be smooth and in a groove for them. I'd prefer that it go well and they wouldn't have to face this. But you know what I realized? I'm not helpless. I'm not a victim of this circumstance because our Jesus is resurrected and his resurrection power is available. Number one, to heal. Number two, to give wisdom to Jordan and Lauren as they make decisions. Number three, to give wisdom, insight to the doctors and the pediatric surgeon that they'll meet with in a few weeks. And they're going to know what God wants to do, how he's going to perform this healing. Of course, we're praying that the mass will be gone. Every picture that happens, we're waiting and anticipating that. But we are trusting a resurrected Lord who has the power to do it one way or another. And he's there. I know that my kids have that support. They have Jesus to rely on. We can celebrate that today. Jesus' resurrection power is available and accessible for every single person in this room today, when you feel helpless. And my question would be, what habit has a hold on you today in the now? I have a friend who discovered that she has an inflexibility that creates problems in her relationships. Now, how many of you, you know what inflexible, those are those people that order the same thing every time on the menu. They take the same um, path to every place that they want to get, and it needs to be that path, or they feel a certain anxiety, perhaps even vocalize that, right? Okay, we won't get into the more serious ramifications of this. But you know, what my friend realized is something really important, because the big deal is loving God and loving people, right? And her inflexibility was at that point that it was interfering with her relationships with people. It was making them less than what they could be. So she threw up her hands and said, that's just who I am. No, that's not what she did because she's not powerless. She has resurrection power to address this. And she answered Jesus' favorite question. What do you want me to do for you? 
And so she said, I want to grow and become more flexible. And so she got help for that. And she started reading books for that. And she started working on her patterns, her habits, her practices. And you know what? Her relationships improved. She was able to love people better. Another question for you, where is fear driving you or driving your decisions today in the now? You know, Jared shared last week, that's right, it's back, folks, the motorcycle. Okay, for those of you who weren't here last week, you can tune in to the podcast from last week and you'll find out Jared's side of the story, okay? But this week, it's my turn. Okay, so that's right. <laughs> so, you know, he was sharing about our, our two-year journey of deciding to get this motorcycle. And he was talking about the logistics of it and the finances of it and all that, you know, and I'm like, woohoo, let's just get it, you know. But (laughs) the other side of me, um, there was another side to me and it was this fear side. You see, I worked in an emergency room for two years and I saw accidents with motorcycles. I won't go into them, but let me put it this way. Those pictures were vivid in my mind. But did you know that it doesn't matter what the decision is, God never directs us with fear. You can't make great decisions. You can't make God decisions with fear. And no matter how small it might seem, even buying a motorcycle, God doesn't want me to limit something that would bring great joy to my husband because of fear. Can I hear it from the guys? Yeah. (laughs) But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Today, the good news is we're empowered. We have the power of God available to help us in any situation or circumstances, be it a habit, be it a fear, be it someplace where you feel helpless like I did. You don't have to figure it out on your own. You can turn to Jesus. You can ask him to help and to bring his power to bear in your situation because the resurrection tells us two things. He's able and he's willing. That's the truth for you today and for me. And last but not least, our future has been secured. It is ushered. It is guaranteed, folks, and it is a good future. Romans 6, 5, Paul says it this way, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. The word resurrection literally means to stand up again after death. The afterlife, that's that new life. The disciples' joy only grew when they realized what the resurrection meant for them. Now, you, some of you might recall John 21. Jesus has several encounters. Remember, he appeared to them on multiple occasions. One of these was by the Sea of Galilee where he fed them some breakfast. But in that little discussion they had, he kind of intimated that some of them might uh, have their lives ended for them, that some of them might be martyred. And I'm thinking that Peter in particular might have really found reassurance in the resurrection because what the resurrection tells us is this is not all there is, folks. This is not the end. There is more. There is a future for us. And I just want you to capture the joy and the amazingness of the future that he has for us today. You see, the resurrection is aspirational. Jesus will do what he says he'll do, and he is who he says he is. And because of that, it pulls us toward him. I want to know Jesus more because of his resurrection. I want to be closer to him. It pulls me to the future because we have a future to look forward to. No dread here. Our future includes 
and three things I want to just highlight. Face-to-face, uninterrupted relationship with God. Okay, I don't know how many of you are going to admit this, but have you ever prayed and felt like your, your prayer just hit the ceiling and fell back down to the ground? You know, have you ever just felt like there is a cloud around me? I can't feel the presence of God. I remember as a sophomore in high school telling my youth pastor that I want to feel God's presence. You know, how do I do that? I want to know him and I want to know him more intimately. There's this piece of each one of us that was created in God's image that cries out the Imago Dei that says, I belong with him and I have good news for you. That's what we're faced with. That's where we're headed, folks. Revelations 21, verses 3 and 4. John writes it this way. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He's going to wipe every tear away from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. A future filled with life and love where we're inseparably united with God face to face. No more physical separation, no more clouds, no more sense of distance. It's going to be unimaginably great. But wait, there's more. I feel like the Ginzu knife advertisement. But wait, there's more because it's a future that includes a new body that won't wear out or give us problems. I am particularly grateful for this one, having just celebrated my 59th birthday. Okay. Our bodies are going to be exchanged for a much, much better version. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 42. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they'll be raised in strength. They're buried as natural bodies, but they're going to be raised as spiritual bodies because he rose. We will too. Okay, take a look at this picture. That is Marley, our worship pastor. No worship pastors were harmed in the taking of this picture. And you need to thank her later for being willing to show herself in this state. All of this to say, did you know that we spend a lot of our life doing this? All this and more to do what? To preserve and protect this physical body so that it can last as long as possible. We have to eat certain things. We get on sleeping gigs. And, oh, my, there's, there's every kind of, we have seat belts. We have child safety seats and restraints. We have all sort of risk assessment tools that we apply to every behavior in life. All with the same purpose, to preserve this body from decay. I mean, even little kids get in on the act. That's right. That's right. She's got her Barbies going, folks. I mean, I feel like I have to do more just to stay the same. And some would say that I don't really stay the same. Okay? But don't ask my husband about that. But the whole thing is from the beginning, God's plan has been to redeem all of creation, including you and me, from the effects of sin. And these bodies are going to be made new, and there's going to be no more decay, and there's going to be no more disease, no more illness, no more birth defects, no more cancers, no more pain, no more tears. And I don't know about you, but that 
is something to celebrate. You know, I have friends and family who are dealing with autoimmune diseases, and you do too. Others who have chronic conditions that generate so much pain in their lives, and others with cancer. And all of that, folks, is going away. In its place, we're going to have healthy bodies that you and I can't even imagine, glorified bodies. And I think this is where the applause comes in, and we need to cheer the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And I forgot to mention that we're all going to be 27, too. It's kind of my eternal age I've picked out. You can pick out yours as well. But the point is the same. Thanks to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have an uninterrupted face-to-face relationship with him. And we're going to have new bodies that don't give out or give us problems. But there's more. We're going to have a reunion with people that we love. That's right. We're going to be reunited with people that we love and care about, who love God and have died before us. That's right. That's something to celebrate as well. Here's how Paul wrote it to the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and 14, he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring Jesus with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. So when my siblings and I were caring for my dad in his last six weeks of life, we were taking turns doing hospice care. I had a friend and mentor in my life, Ginger, who told me, she said, Ann, I just want you to know you'll always hope for one more visit. Many of you out there have experienced that wanting one more visit. Guess what, folks? Thanks to the resurrection, there's not going to be just one more visit. There's going to be a whole bunch of visits. There's going to be an eternity. That's right. So awesome. You know, and I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to meeting my mom's mom who died when she was 11 years old. So I never got to meet the woman who created the most amazing mom in the world. I'm looking forward to seeing my dad and Jared's folks. I'm looking forward to seeing classmates who died prematurely but are there. I'm looking forward to seeing my nephew, Jeff, who at 23 years of age has now been set free from all the effects of autism and all that he suffered because of it. I'm looking forward to this reunion. It's going to be amazing. And it will for you as well. We have an amazing future. And the best part of this reunion is that it's going to be about what really matters, relationships. There's not going to be any worries about losing 10 pounds or buying that outfit that makes you look like you lost the 10 pounds you wish you would have lost, (laughs) right? It's not going to be that. It's not, going to be, it's not going to suffer from the problems of insecurity and comparisons and all the other effects of sin that make us have brokenness in our relationships and not be able to enjoy each other like God intended. It is going to be an amazing future because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our past, our present, and our future is not dependent on a place. There's no tomb that's all enshrined for Jesus because they're not sure which tomb for sure that it was, right? And it doesn't matter because he's not there anyway. It's not how we remember him because our past, our present, our future 
are dependent on a person. The person of Jesus Christ who came out of the rock tomb, having done everything that was needed to forgive our past and to empower us in the present and to secure our future. We follow a God who is alive and he lived a life we couldn't live. It was perfect in every way. And then he died the death that you and I were supposed to die. A death that could not keep him. And because of that, death is not going to keep us in the ground either. This is the news that created the unstoppable joy, the incessant and insistent celebration where the disciples leaving Jesus as he ascended to his father, they ran off into Jerusalem filled with joy and they continually praised God. They couldn't quit staying at the church. They were hanging out here at E day after day after day. No, they were hanging out day after day at the temple. They couldn't quit talking about it. It was so incredible. The resurrection changed everything. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. His perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. Forever he is glorified. Forever he is lifted high. Forever he is risen. He is alive. He is alive. (laughs) 